Good morning, everybody. Happy 4th of July week. Yes. So whatever this 4th of July represents for you uh, that you may have going on, whether it's plans or not anything in particular, I hope you'll take an opportunity to reflect on the blessing that we have to live in this great country and uh, the great history that this country has and the history that includes the founding principles upon which this country is built. Things like life and liberty, pursuit of happiness, um, equal opportunities under the law. And while we don't always live up to these high values and principles, um, they are the standard by which we try to uh, organize ourselves. So there's always uh, been angst and struggle in this democratic republic that we live in, but we um, need to take time every, every so often to just reflect on the blessing that is ours to be um, uh, Americans. So, that's a freebie. The title for this morning's message is provocative, isn't it? God, Jesus, wants you to be rich. Jesus wants you to be rich. Is that true? Is that true? Yeah. So I went to a uh, Christian university uh, for my undergraduate degree, Oral Roberts University, and uh, out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And while I was attending there in the um, mid to late 70s, wow, um, there was an emerging theology, particularly um, in that part of the country that has since spread out. Um, at the time, some were calling it name it, claim it. Um, it has become more popularly known today as prosperity doctrine. And it's this idea that if you are living a life of faithfulness to God, faithfulness to Jesus, that you will be blessed with prosperity, health, wealth, all of the good things in life because that's how God rewards faithful people. And of course, they teach generosity that in order, you know, part of the deal is that you have to be generous. So if you give, you'll receive. So there's a, a transaction that takes place, a giving and receiving. Now there's some problems with this doctrine. There's several problems. Let me highlight three problems that I see. One, uh, there's a scripture problem. So these uh, folks have cherry-picked scriptures out of the Bible to create this prosperity doctrine, um, but have had to ignore other passages within the Bible as well that highlight the poor and talk in positive ways about the poor. So in a prosperity doctrine, the idea is if you're poor, somehow you are less faithful to God because if you were being more faithful, you would have more resource. And uh, so the Bible doesn't affirm that. In fact, Jesus himself said, blessed are the poor. So there's a scripture problem, there's a Bible problem. There's also um, uh, kind of a, what was the word I would, hold on. Oh, my notes are upside down. That's fun. I think somebody was messing with me. Hold on. Nope, backwards and upside down. Susie? Yeah, I didn't do it. All right. 
Now we're right, okay. So we have uh, a, a credibility problem. That was the second one. There's a credibility problem. Um, so many of these folks who teach this prosperity doctrine, these preachers, um, are saying to folks that in order to receive God's blessing, you have to give. You have to give uh, in order to receive, and you should be giving to me, right? And so many of these prosperity preachers um, are really wealthy now, like really wealthy and living in lavish lifestyles, while those who are contributing to them are often struggling financially. So there's a credibility problem with this, with this doctrine as well. So, you know, the preacher's doing great, but, but not everybody else is sharing in that kind of prosperity. The third one, and I think the most significant one, is they have a Jesus problem. So if the idea is that prosperity comes because of faithfulness to God, no one was more faithful than Jesus. Jesus was the very picture of faithfulness to God, right? So Jesus, in that case, should have had transcendent wealth. He should have had multiple homes and mansions and castles, like unbelievable wealth, like nobody has ever experienced before if faithfulness to the gospel is what brings about God's blessing and material wealth. And yet Jesus said of himself that foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So I have a big issue with the prosperity doctrine. And yet, I do affirm that Jesus wants you to be rich. But not rich in material things, but rich in life things. The things of the kingdom of God. If you remember a couple of weeks ago when we started this series, I pointed to a scripture where Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus is saying, don't waste your life on amassing material possessions which are just going to ultimately fail you, right? They're gonna drive you crazy. We had to replace the tires on our car this week. That's a drag, right? To spend money on tires. But that's what happens, you know, because stuff wears out. So don't invest your whole life in just accumulating stuff. Invest your life in things that will last. Love will last. Joy will last. Peace will last. Kindness will last. Invest in the greater things and you will have tremendous wealth in the things that matter. Generosity is an orientation. One of the things that we've been saying in this series is that generosity is an orientation, right? It orients us toward God and out toward others. A generous heart, a generous spirit has us outwardly focused and toward the things of God. And so while generosity 
is not about money. It includes money, right? All of the stuff of your life is a gift from God. Everything is a gift from God. Your time is a gift from God. Your talents are a gift from God. And so finding ways to use those things for kingdom purposes is what generosity is all about. Generosity with, with your time. So we had a great example, right? Just watching that video with the, uh, the kids in, in VBS, 200 kids. But it required over 40 adults and high school students to give of their time. There's all kinds of things that they could have done with the week of, that they spent last week doing other things, right? Everybody's busy, everybody's got stuff going on, but they chose to be generous with their time. That's a beautiful thing. Talents. Right? We can be generous with our talents. If you haven't noticed, out front here, it's like on the other side of this wall over there, there's a a garden now. It, it's, a, um, it's a vegetable garden. So it's a couple of folks who have some talent in, you know, the green thumb area. Um, so they've created a garden out there and they're using that uh, to, and having the children uh, involved with it as well. So Sunday mornings, uh, one of the things that the uh, summer of service uh, program is going to be about is working in that garden and growing vegetables, and the vegetables that they grow will then be donated to the food pantry, and so folks will get some Hope Garden Fresh Vegetables, which is a cool thing, right? But it's somebody using their talents, their abilities. We have a couple of electricians uh, who are part of this congregation, and uh, they have been enormously helpful in some things that have uh, gone on. All of this just in the past week, that's why it's on my mind. So it's this idea of being generous with the things of life that God has blessed you with. I, I had a woman stop by last week um, and she was from the American Red Cross and asked to see me and so she came back into my office and she had a plaque that she was presenting to me. It was a plaque saying that in 2018 Hope Church folks donated 112 pints of blood, all right? Yeah, that's a cool thing. 112 ounces, she said that, uh, pints, she said that represents over 300 people whose lives were positively affected through receiving of that donation. Even our blood, right? Even in that way, we can be generous and be blessing other folks. So true, true generosity is an outgrowth of our gratitude. When you are grateful to God, the natural outgrowth, the outpouring of that gratitude is generosity. And it looks for opportunities to bless others. True generosity is always looking out, looking for opportunities 
to bless others. So this morning, I wanna look at a scripture with you. It's, um, it's from the Gospel of Luke. It's a story that isn't normally, I think, kind of connected necessarily to generosity, but it's a powerful lesson about the nature of generosity. So it's from Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10. It's a story about a man named Zacchaeus. Some of you are familiar with the story. And so I just wanna go through and, and, uh, and highlight a couple of things as we go through this passage of scripture. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector of the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So I want to stop there for just a second and say the description of Zacchaeus, right, is that he is a rich man. He's a rich, and because he's a tax collector, he's a rich and a powerful man. If material wealth, if the things that the world has to offer bring ultimate satisfaction, why would Zacchaeus be running out to see some rabbi, some transient traveling rabbi? I suspect that Zacchaeus knew that there were things missing in his life. He had all of the material possessions that the world had to offer at the time, but there, were, there was something missing something that maybe money can't buy that he's looking for. And maybe this Jesus, who I'm sure he'd heard about, would have something to offer him. So he just wanted to see him, just wanted to get a sense for himself of who this guy was, right? So he climbs up into a tree. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great ex uh, excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Interesting, right? So the crowd knows who Zacchaeus is. And what they see is an object. He is a tax collector. He's a sinner. They see an object and something to be avoided, ignored, shunned, talked about, rejected, an object. And they judge Jesus because he's hanging out with this notorious sinner. Jesus 
sees something very different. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He sees the man. He sees a child of God. He sees someone created in the image of the Father of eternal worth, of vast potential, and calls him by name and says, I want to spend some time with you. It's an act of generosity. It's an act of grace. You see, the thing about generosity and, and grace is they're, they're connected. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's God's free gift. Generosity is just the expression of grace. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he invites himself to his home. That's the spirit of generosity, right? Sometimes I think the church sounds more like the crowd than like Jesus. When we view people as objects, when we view them at their worst, when we view them through their flaws and their brokenness and decide to withdraw from them, to reject them, to judge them and judge those who are around them, we sound more like the crowd. But Jesus, in grace and generosity, goes to Zacchaeus' home. It's powerful. Verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Stop there. So we don't know what the conversation was over lunch that Jesus and Zacchaeus had. But whatever it was, Zacchaeus had an encounter with the kingdom of God. He had an encounter with Jesus that was transformational. And so that encounter led to a deep sense of gratitude that got expressed through generosity. Right? A deep sense of gratitude that expressed itself through generosity. I'm going to give away half of all of my wealth to the poor. And anyone I've cheated, I'm going to pay them back plus interest. That's what happens when somebody encounters Christ, has their heart changed. We have this deep gratitude. We should feel this deep gratitude and then express it through acts of generosity. And here's how that story ends. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. 
Salvation has come. That word salvation literally means to rescue from harm. And there's two aspects to this. There is the temporal idea, rescuing us in this life from harm. And so the harm that Zacchaeus was going to experience was to live a life just about material possessions, just about wealth, just about his power and prestige, just about the things in this life and missed out on all of the life-giving stuff. And Jesus rescued him from that and showed him a better way. And then of course there's the, the eternal part of salvation that we are rescued from sin and delivered into eternal life. I think he experienced both on that day. Zacchaeus was blessed by Jesus and became a blessing to others. So I wanna close out this message and this series with, with four ways to express generosity, to just highlight four ways uh, to express generosity as you go through the course of your week and your month and your year. The first way is that we can express generosity spontaneously. We can express generosity sp spontaneously. As you go through the course of your day, as you go through the course of your week, there are going to be opportunities that you're going to have to be able to express generosity. So again, this past week, it was a busy week as I'm you know, sharing this message, all these things happened just last week. Um, Marilyn and I were invited, it was a last minute kind of thing, we were invited to an event that Urban Promise was hosting. And at this event, um, we heard about a wellness center that, uh, that Urban Promise has to, to meet uh, physical needs of students who are a part of their program, as well as a summer program that takes place that they run camps all around the city of Camden and hundreds and hundreds of children are a part of. And so they were struggling with the funding for these two programs and offering the people gathered to help support them. Well, that wasn't part of our plan, Marilyn and I, that wasn't part of our, uh, our giving thinking uh, as we started this year, but it just was presented to us and we believe in what they're doing and we saw the need and so forth and the opportunity. And so we said, yeah, we, we can support this. And so it was just this spontaneous act of, of giving, of generosity. And I suspect there were a number of people who did exactly that same thing on that night. There's another uh, example of, um, wow, what's this? Sorry, I just saw something on the platform. <laughs> Sorry, got distracted. It's a bird. Um, so uh, Dave and Ashley about a month ago were saying that uh, for the, uh, one of the mission trips, they were they were short a female leader, that, that they needed one more female leader. And they had asked several women uh, if, they, if they would go and they weren't able to go. And so they, they were concerned about it and were praying about, you know, that, that God would raise that up. So that was about a month ago. End of last week, I said, so what's going on with that, Dave? How's that going? And he said, oh, we were looking for one and we ended up with three. 
So three women who were not planning at the beginning of this year as they were making their plans for the summer were not planning on spending a week away with a group of students on a mission trip, but heard about this need and figured out that they would be able to give, to go. It's an act of spontaneous generosity. So those, there's those kinds of things that, that come along in the course of your day, in the course of your week that you need to be aware of and, and to respond. But that shouldn't be the only way that you give, you know, that you're just available and like if something happens, then you'll give. We should also give strategically. We should give strategically. In other words, that you have a plan to give of your time and your talents and your finances and so forth, that you have a plan to give uh, throughout the course of the year, right? So whenever you do your planning, that, that part of it is a strategic thinking about how can I invest the blessings that God has given me, resources that God has entrusted to me, how can I use them for the furtherance of God's kingdom? So that there's planned giving, not just spontaneous giving. So I wonder if that's part of your thing as well. I, I believe in the local church. I've always believed that the local church is God's dream community and that people within the church are blessed but it's not limited to just people in the church, that when the church is functioning the way that we're called to function, that we're a blessing to the communities around us and out beyond that. And I know that over two decades, two plus decades, that that's exactly what's happened through this community of faith, that the people of this church have blessed those who are a part of this community of faith, have blessed the community at large, and out beyond that. And so I'm never hesitant to ask people to be generous in supporting what happens here because I know the impact. I see it every single day, how the generosity of you, your generosity, blesses those who are here and blesses people beyond here. So to give strategically, to think in advance, to have an advanced plan, to think about you know, ways that you're going to use time. How are you going to budget time? Because we don't all have the same amount of money. We all have the same amount of time. Everybody has 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, right? 168 hours in a week. We all have that same amount. How much of that time do you budget to be used to bless others. So there's gonna be spontaneous things that we do, but is there strategic things that we can do with the time that we have, the talents that you have, the interests and passions that you have that can add to uh, the expansion of the kingdom of God in the lives of others. Third thing, we give Spontaneously, we give strategically. Third of all, to give sacrificially. To give sacrificially. True generosity costs us something. 
if you're giving and it doesn't really cost you anything, you know, it's like pocket change, that's not necessarily really generosity. If you're giving some time that, you know, like it's a spontaneous thing, I'll, I'll give you an hour once a month, you know, that's not real generosity. It's not really costing you anything. Real generosity costs us something. When, Zac when uh, Zacchaeus gave half of his income, it doesn't matter how rich you are, if you give half of what you have away, that costs you something. You feel that, right? That's significant. There's a, another story of a, a widow uh, that Jesus uh, encountered who was very poor and she went up you know, to the offering basket in the temple and put her, her little coins into the basket and Jesus talked, commended her to those around. Even though there were people who were putting in you know, sacks of money, big amounts of money, he said hers represented real faith, real sacrifice. She felt that. It's not the amount it's the level of faith that which we give. I remember I was thinking about this uh, as I was putting this together and remembering um, years ago, we did a capital campaign. Um, it was a short-term capital campaign that we were raising money uh, to do some ministry initiatives. And um, there was a, a guy who came to me and he said, I just, you know, I want to give you this check for this campaign. And it was, it was a good-sized check. And I was really grateful, and it was unexpected. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, we, we bought this house, my wife and I, and our plan was to remodel the kitchen. But as we've been hearing about what we want to do as a church, we thought, you know what, that can wait. Let's give the money that we were going to use to remodel the kitchen toward this effort. Like that was a level of commitment and sacrifice. Now that's years ago. I suspect they've remodeled their kitchen, right? So it wasn't that we're never going to do it. It's that we're going to do this first. That same campaign, there was a, a, a young teenager, and she decided that she was going to bake cookies and bake dozens of cookies and then packaged them up and went around and sold them and donated the money. That was sacrifice for her, right? So true generosity costs us something. When you give of your time, when you give of your talent, it costs you something. But it's intended as an act of gratitude to God and blessing to others. One last thing. So we give spontaneously, strategically, sacrificially, and the last one is joyfully. We give joyfully. The Apostle Paul wrote that the Lord loves a joyful giver. Why is that? Why does the Lord love a joyful giver? It's because I think that's the spirit of a recognition that everything that I have is a gift not for me to hold on to, to hoard, but for me to find ways to use to bless others.
And when I find a way, an opportunity to bless somebody else, it is a joyful thing. It is a blessing to you to be able to give. You know, I look around at all the things that have taken place here, and I've had a small part in this, and it brings me deep joy. I have the same thing when I look at what's going on at Urban Promise. You know, we've been part of that ministry for all of these years, and I look at what's going on there, and I've had a small part in that. Lives that have been blessed and touched, I've had a small part in that. That brings me such great joy. There is no trinket, there is no possession that this world has to offer that would bring me greater joy than knowing that I had a part in blessing the lives of other people for the kingdom of God. So I think the group is gonna, the band's gonna come back up and, uh, and lead us in a closing song. Um, so as they're coming back up, just, you know, this kind of reminder that, um, that God is generous with us, right? Grace is an act of generosity. And so as we seek to become conformed to the image of Christ, generosity is part of the deal. It's not about how much, it's not about, you know, uh, any of that kind of stuff, you know, like, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't do stewardship campaigns here at Hope. Like you don't, we don't send out a card and ask you to fill out a card, how much are you gonna give? And it's not because we don't need resources, right? Obviously we do. But what we have been saying for over 10 years, because we used to do that, but about 10 years ago we made a decision. You know, we're just gonna trust people to do their best and trust God that he's going to inspire people to do their best. And so for the last 10 years, you know, that's been the case, that people, you do your best. You give what you can give, time and resources and talents. And God honors that and blesses that by blessing others. So thank you for the ways that you have contributed um, and the ways that you can continue to uh, contribute to the work of the kingdom of God that's taking place here at Hope Church.